We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is, as always, sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. My name, of course, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all you fine folks. And I'm hoping you guys had a great New Year's. And if you are coming at us today, it's not Monday as it usually is. I have to apologize for not getting you guys my game reaction on the usual Monday because I was at the game and during the time when I would normally be recording the podcast, I was traveling back to the Central Valley. So I apologize for not having you this podcast on Monday morning, but hopefully you are receiving it on Tuesday morning and are still riding on the high. That is Trey Lance's first win as the 49ers starting quarterback in the 49ers 23-7 23-7 to victory over the Houston Texans at Levi's Stadiums. And like I said, I was there. I was at the game. And it was a uh, it was it was a very, very fun experience. Levi's Stadium was was packed. I wouldn't say it was sold out, but it was packed. It was very, very crowded, very loud, very energetic. Uh, you can tell that the fans were excited to see Trey Lance play. When he took the field for the first snap, he got a huge ovation just for walking out there. They had him up on the big screen as he was walking out, and and the fans went crazy. Um, and overall, it was just it was just a great experience. You know, the the full Forty ers pretty much controlled the game. I wouldn't say from start to finish because that wouldn't be accurate, but from about. <laughs> From about midway in the second quarter on, I believe, um, the 49ers kind of like allowed things to go their way once they stepped onto the field and had a, uh, uh, whew, how long was that drive? Right at the end of the first half, they had that drive that went all the way down and it only resulted in a field goal, but they only had about 50 something seconds. Let me see. Um, yeah, 38 seconds. Is that for real? 
Yeah, thirty-eight seconds. Yep, they marched down the field in thirty-eight seconds. Some impressive passes from uh, from Trey Lance and got within field goal range. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, overall, it was a pretty solid game for the 49ers. Uh, now you got to remember too that you're coming that the Texans. Let me actually go back one week to get you the actual score. Uh, the Texans were coming off a super impressive 41-29 win over the Los Angeles Chargers the week before. So everybody kind of like, you know, even myself, you know, everybody's ears perked up and they were like, wait, 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 wait a minute. What, you know, eyebrows raised. What are these? The the then 3-12 and 12 Texans just beat the shit out of the 9-7 and seven Chargers. And it was surprised everybody. You know, you had Rex Burkhead rushing for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Davis Mills completed almost 80% of his passes for 250 yards and two touchdowns. You know, and they, they look good. They look good. And, and you know, maybe that they – there was obviously the thought that maybe they'd figure something out um, right before they played the 49ers in a game that the 49ers needed to win in order to stay in playoff contention for the most part. Um, but the 49ers uh, came out and, and by the end of the game, established themselves as the much better team, as they should. But, again, there was kind of like that confusion. Like, wait, 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 are the, are the Texans like – are they not what we think they are? Because uh, that was kind of crazy watching them take it to the Texans, or excuse me, the uh, the Chargers uh, completely. But, you know, I would say through the first quarter, I guess we're kind of, we'll kind of ease into the Trey Lance evaluation here. But it, it kind of was that way for the 49ers as a whole. Uh, through the first quarter, through the first, most of the first half, it kind of just seemed like one of those weird games where the 49ers, you know, they, they didn't seem comfortable. They didn't seem in control, but I, I don't ever want to say anything that would give you the impression that the 49ers defense was not in control. Because if you look at the Texans drive chart and, and what their possessions resulted in, it would look like punt, 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 end of quarter, punt, touchdown, punt. Uh, halftime, interception, punt, end of quarter, missed field goal, punt, downs, end of game. So the defense was dominant. So I, I don't want to say anything that would give you the impression that the defense wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. But on the other side of the ball, it was clear that the 49ers were having trouble getting the ball rolling. It just seemed a little weird. Some of it seemed like it was, you know, Trey Lance just not having a solid grasp on the offense. But at the same time, I believe by the end of the first half, Trey Lance had completed like seven of eight or, or something like that. Like he wasn't, it, it just seemed like the the offense as a whole was having trouble getting going. Uh, Trey, uh, Kyle Shanahan seemed like he was kind of calling some weird plays that, you know, some of which were designed for Trey Lance, but but it was clear they weren't working. You know, he was calling some toss plays repeatedly that were all getting stopped in the backfield. It just seemed like the entire offense in that first half was kind of getting its feet underneath him. And in a way, it almost seemed like Kyle Shanahan was was limiting Trey Lance a little bit, and some of that can is, is to be expected. It's only his second start um, and his second football game in like two years. So, you know, anything that Kyle Shanahan was doing to try and protect Trey Lance and, and make things easier on him is obviously understandable. You know, you have to realize that. But as the game went on, it seemed like Kyle Shanahan just kind of like slowly took the handcuffs cuffs off, loosened them a little bit, I guess you could say. And it started to kind of unfold. The offense started to really get its feet underneath him, started to move the ball, started to make plays. And it, 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 
it was like you can see it you could see it evolve throughout the game. I don't know if you guys got that impression, but you know, it seemed like things just kind of got a little more dynamic, got a little more exciting. And it you know, they're obviously the 49ers only accounted for 3 points in the first half. All of their other points, 20 of their 23 points came in the second half. So, of course, it would seem like things that got their feet under them. But it was just the style in which they were playing, the way that the offense was functioning. You could see things kind of open up. And Trey Lance was rising to the occasion, especially in that second half. So, um, and again, not, not much you need to say about the defense other than they were outstanding. You know, like I said, just against the Chargers, they put up over 40 points and then they come into the 49ers and and barely managed, excuse me, barely managed seven. So on the defensive side of the ball, it was very, very impressive. We'll get into that a little bit later. Obviously, most of you guys probably want to hear about Trey Lance. You probably already know about Trey Lance. You've heard other people talk about Trey Lance, but I'm going to give you my opinion on Trey Lance because that's what we're here for. I was impressed. To be honest, I was impressed. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, and, and I'm not like going to pound the table and say that he, you know, let's say if Jimmy Garoppolo were actually healthy, which I don't believe he will be for the 49ers regular season finale against the Rams, I wouldn't be pounding the table that he should start in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. It was clear that there were still some some learning, you know, some learning curves that you can expect that that should be there. But overall, I was very impressed with what Trey Lance showed. It seemed like the game was not too big for him. He didn't seem overly flustered. He, you know, he missed some some throws here and there that he probably should have made. But what quarterback doesn't, especially Jimmy Garoppolo? He, you know, they all miss throws. It's just kind of the situation in which they miss throws. What the miss throw looks like, you have to take them all in context and and what they mean and. There was there was a period there where it seemed you know that obviously Trey Lance was getting him. It was his it's his second start of the season, you know, and the other one was was like five six seven weeks ago, whatever it was, maybe even more. Um, like I believe it was over ten weeks ago. So you gotta you you gotta take everything that you saw from Trey Lance and realize that that he had one week of preparation, and that's what we got, which is exciting to me. It's exciting that. Trey Lance has had such limited opportunities um, with first first team reps. With you know, that, you don't get any of those throughout the season. If you're not starting that week, you don't get any first team reps. They're not like trying to sprinkle some Trey Lance in there, unless you know they're they're working on that Trey Lance type of package, which Kyle Shannon admittedly has not done in a while. But you gotta you guys just gotta keep in mind that what you saw from Trey Lance was was what you get based on one week of preparation, two weeks if you want to include the week of preparation he had last time he started uh, against the Cardinals, and he still looked solid. He looked good, and you could see the dynamic type of ability, the extending plays, the rolling out, the creating space, the looking downfield. You know that's what I like about Trey Lance is it seems like every time he runs. He's got his eyes downfield, and he wants to throw that thing. And maybe there's times, and there was a time, I believe, and it was on fourth down as the 49ers were pushing in towards the red zone where he should have ran it. But the fact that, you know, you have a quarterback that's very, very athletic but wants to throw the ball, that's, I mean, that's to me, that's a good thing. He wants to play the quarterback position, and that's great. 
Um, as far as just a basic stat line, I mean, the numbers that Trey Lance put up would be a solid game for Jimmy Garoppolo. He was 16 of 23. That's 69%. Nice. 249 yards, two touchdowns, an interception for a 116 quarterback rating. That is a solid game. That's a solid game by by any measure, by any stretch, and especially by the standard set by Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a good game by Trey Lance, and he should have had one more touchdown in there. Uh, he ran one in towards the end of the game. I believe it was in the fourth quarter, but it was called back due to a holding penalty that I couldn't locate. It's a lot harder to like break down the game when you're there, obviously. Um, but And he just ran in untouched. But I didn't see where the hold was, and I didn't see if the hold affected the play, and if the only reason Trey Lance got in untouched was because of the hold, I don't know. You guys will have to you know, verbally correct me on that one and just say, shut the hell up, Rob. It was a bad, bad hold, but whatever. You guys know what I'm saying. So it was, it was a solid game for Trey Lance. Uh, I was impressed. Uh, I, I broke down one throw on Twitter. Obviously it's an easy throw to break down. It's not like I'm, I'm grinding the tape out here, but Trey Lance had that throw where he rolled out of the pocket to the right. And, and I think Eric Crocker said this on Twitter, um, that anytime a cool 49ers quarterback rolls out into space, like you get excited because you know that their odds are good that somebody's running open downfield. And Debo Samuel, I believe, came from the right side of the formation and ran like a post that he kind of flattened out as he crossed the field. And Trey Lance rolled out to the right, plants his feet, and guns that ball. And he, oh, in terms of overall distance, it wasn't that long of a throw. It's about 45 yards from kind of the right hash to the left numbers. Uh, maybe closer to 50 yards for you math whizzes out there. So it wasn't necessarily that impro- impressive of a throw in terms of just overall yardage. We've seen NFL quarterbacks throw a lot further. But what was impressive to me was if you look at the trajectory of the ball, the camera never even had to zoom out or pan up to stay with the ball. It was just an absolute beam, just Barely had any arc to it whatsoever, and it just flew straight for Debo Samuel. And if you look at where the defender was, Debo Samuel had created a decent amount of separation, about three or four yards. But And what I said, and, and I'm really not about the whole compare Trey Lance's performance to Jimmy Garoppolo, not in really that kind of a sense. But if you think about Jimmy Garoppolo making that throw, he's going to have to set his feet if he sets his feet or, you know, I shouldn't say if he sets his feet, he drives off him. He always seems like he wants to let that plant foot kind of float a little bit. Throws the ball. You know that ball is going to have a decent amount of arc. It's going to be a little bit more of a rainbow. It's going to take longer to get there because it's not going to be thrown as much power. And those aren't like biased things. It's just we've watched Jimmy Garoppolo play a lot of football. And most of the, you know, pretty much every deep ball he ever throws, maybe one per game, if that, usually has a lot of arc and a lot of time to it. And this, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have thrown that pass, uh, it would have been a lot closer in terms of the defensive back contesting the throw. It might have still been completed. Jimmy Garoppolo might have led him closer to the sideline. But Trey Lance just rockets that ball straight to Debo Samuel. Like, you, if you were on that field, you probably could have heard that ball fly through the air. Just straight to him. And again, just barely had any arc. It was an absolute laser. Debo catches it, which the fact that the ball got there so quickly didn't give the DB time to close distance, gave Debo Samuel time to catch the ball, break the tackle, stop before the sideline, and then go the extra five to 10 yards and and score a touchdown. And it was just an impressive display of arm talent. If you've thrown a football and if you've tried to throw a football really far, you'd know that one of the most important attributes of throwing that football far is getting it up into the air with some arc. Well, Trey Lance just threw that shit like 45, 50 yards 
on a rope, man. Like that thing had a motor on it and uh, it was impressive, you know, stuff like that. Now there's also throws where maybe Trey Lance should give it a little bit more air and he'll work on that. You know, he threw an interception trying to hit Kittle. It was a good pass. It was right to Kittle, but it just didn't have the kind of the, the, the arc it needed to get over the defender because it was thrown with more of, you know, like that same type of trajectory, a direct trajectory. Uh, the defender was able to jump up and get his hands on it, pick it off. Uh, you know, what? A, another thing that made it rough was Debo Samuel was kind of wide open on the other side. But the window for Debo, because the safety was moving over, was not super long. It's not like he was running into an open field of green grass. The safety was moving over, so it was kind of a tight window. But Debo Samuel was open, and I believe Brandon Ayuk was kind of coming underneath both of those routes. Would have been a good option, but I'm not really faulting Trey Lance too much for that throw. It was it was a pretty clean throw. Uh, it just needed to be a little little bit different of a trajectory. There was another throw they made. I believe it was on right at the end of the half uh, when they kicked that that field goal to end the half. He made a throw to Brandon Ayuk in the end zone that was pretty damn impressive. Go back and watch that. I, I wish I would I, – I need to also post that one on Twitter because it was incomplete. I believe the defensive back may have been holding Brandon Ayuk's left arm, I believe it was. Might have been right arm, excuse me. Brandon Ayuk only got one hand on it and wasn't able to bring it in. I'm assuming catching a Trey Lance pass with one hand is never going to be that easy because he's got some serious heat on the ball. But but that ball was placed exactly where it had to be for that to be a touchdown. If Brandon Ayuk would have had the use of both of his hands or been able to get that other hand up, uh, it might have been a touchdown. That thing was was impressive. And just a, a couple plays later or one play later, he put a ball that, that did go right through the defender's hands. So maybe it should have been batted or picked off, but it went right through the de- defender's hands. Debo Samuel, or excuse me, Brandon Ayuk was able to catch it, toe tap, put the 49ers in easy field goal range, easier field goal range, and they kicked it. And then to start the second half, to start the second half, the 49ers, you know, you kind of want to, it's, Kyle Shanahan calls it lapping the opponent, where you get points to end the half, and then you get the ball to start the third the third quarter, and then you get more points. The 49ers didn't do that. They 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 um, they turned the ball over on downs, but then they intercepted uh, Marcel Harris. Intercepted uh, the Texans quarterback. Why am I forgetting his name right now? Excuse me, Mister Davis Mills. Um, intercepted him. And the 49ers went and scored. So they still kind of got their lap, as, as Kyle Shanahan would call it. Um, but it just wasn't in the in the way in the traditional way. Um, you know, more thoughts on Trey Lance. You could literally see him become more comfortable as the game went on. You could see him become more comfortable as the game went on, which is encouraging to me. You know, he was absorbing the the you know the the wave of not, you could say emotions, but the wave of just senses, you know, like everything coming at him, making only his second start of the season. And you could see him become more comfortable. You could see him start to sling the ball around it. And maybe, maybe he, this also had to do with what, what the plays that Kyle Shanahan was calling. But at the same time, you could see Trey Lance get more comfortable within the game. And I'm sitting there watching some of the plays afterwards and I'm just like, man, what would Trey Lance look like if he had been starting all season? And that is certainly not a slight towards Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo has played his part in the 49ers 9-7 and record this season on both sides of the coin. 
the nine and the seven. But at the same time, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has been bad enough, consistently enough, that's part of the Jimmy Garoppolo experience, to to not have that job. So I understand why Jimmy Garoppolo is out there. But it was it's very easy to watch Trey Lance play against the Texans. And yes, I know it was the Texans. Who gives a shit? And wonder what that would have looked like had he been playing that entire season. And, you know, that's that's encouraging to me because if you can see Trey Lance become more comfortable in a game, what does Trey Lance look like when he's the man all season? When he is now, of course, there's more challenging defenses out there that we'd have to see how he handled that madness. But you've got a Trey Lance that's getting all the offseason reps as the starter. You've got a Trey Lance that's getting every rep throughout the week as the first team quarterback. And you've got all of that game experience to work on. You know, injury possibility aside, Trey Lance played his second game as a pro against the Texans, whereas he could have played 15 before that. You know, and again, I'm not walking down the path of 49ers shoulda, coulda, woulda with Trey Lance. I'm just saying that what we saw against the Texans should give you reason to be encouraged. It wasn't perfect. It rare. When is it ever from any NFL quarterback? When is it perfect? But it was encouraging to me. And and I, uh, you know, would the 49ers be in a better spot if Trey Lance had been starting this whole time? Would they have been in a similar spot, a worse spot? I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. You know, I don't think the 49ers were negligent in not starting Trey Lance and keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. If you've been following the podcast, you'd know I've been fine with that since the draft. I don't care if the 49ers keep Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo has, he's done enough to have that role. You know, he's, he's had his good games. He's had his bad games, but um, it it is certainly a, you know, an encouraging thought to think of what Trey Lance would look like with a complete control of the offense and a comfort uh, within that system. And, you know, what's that going to look like? What's that going to look like? It's, uh, it's cool to think about. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And, and you know, kind of we'll talk about it in a little bit. We'll talk about it before when we come back. We, let's get a quick word in from our friends at TickPick. Let's get a word in. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about a few other points um, within the game. And then we'll talk about kind of the way forward for the 49ers uh, from here, whether it's, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and playoffs and possibilities and all that good stuff. And then we'll get the hell in here. But I appreciate you. Quick word from TickPick. 49ers football. It's almost over, folks. It's almost over. And while there, you know, while there is no more games at Levi Stadium, the 49ers' final game of the season is still in California. TickPick is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of the other NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, you can find a better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick's going to give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So like I said, the 49ers are done at Levi's Stadium for this year, but their last game of the season is just a little down the street in the Rams' new stadium. So get on TickPick.com slash gold, as in striking gold, today, and you're going to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. 
So while they may not be playing at Levi's Stadium, they're still in California. So jump on TickPick.com slash gold. Get yourself some tickets. Do not miss the 49ers' last regular season game of 2021 slash 2022. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So like I said earlier, the defense deserves some serious, serious praise. The Texans dropped 41 on the Chargers. 41. Now that is clearly an anomaly, but it doesn't not it's still it's still impressive, you know, and the defense was having none of that shit. Okay, again, I'm gonna I already read this to you, but the the, the Texans possessions for the entire game went like this. Punt, 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 touchdown, punt, interception, punt, missed field goal. That was the case due to a sack. Punt, turnover on downs, the game's over. That is dominance against any NFL squad. I don't care if it's the 4-12 and 12 Texans. That is dominance. And D'Amico Ryans deserves some serious praise because it's not like the 49ers are out there you know, with, with, with everybody that, you know, their ideal selves, their fully healthy selves, they're not, you know, it seems like forever ago, but their genuine starting corner, Jason Verrett, who played one hell of a 2019, 2020, excuse me, man, where am I going? He's been gone all season. And in his place has been this rotation of Emmanuel Mosley, who's also been injured, Josh Norman, Dante Johnson, Yamador Lenore, Ambry Thomas, like that, and that's just the secondary. You know, you've got Demetrius Flanagan Fowles out there, who, I mean, no slight to him, was only playing in replacement of Aziz Al Shire, who kind of got his first action replacing Dre Greenlaw. You know, there's there's just there's all of these you know, mixed little mismatched parts all over the place. And Tomiko Ryans has still got that defense in position to be one of the best in the NFL. Depends on what stat you go to, what site you go to, what they track. But the 49ers in most eyes are a top 10, top five defense in the NFL. Somewhere between that mark, maybe top five, period. But what they did against the Texans just kind of cemented their status as 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 an excellent unit, and you know, the, just imagine what that that group would be like if they had some not even 
elite corners. Not, I mean, how many NFL teams have elite corners, but uh, even solid corners. Now, I'm, I'm not going to take away from Emmanuel Mosley when he's out there was very solid. Josh Norman, for what he is, has, I don't know, done stuff. <laughs> uh, he was replaced by Dante Johnson throughout the game after giving up one of his patented defensive pass interference. Deep, 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 big decent defensive pass interference plays. That's just become the Josh Norman experience, kind of similar to Jimmy Garoppolo experience, just on the other side of the ball. He was immediately benched, in, and Dante Johnson went out there. On the very first play, they went right at him, and Dante Johnson gave up a pass interference penalty of his own. A little more ticky-tack than Josh Norman's, and even I thought Josh Norman's was not the worst he's had. So it was just a, a weird series of plays, and I believe that was on the same series where the 49ers defense just went into crazy mode and ended up on third down getting a sack of Davis Mills that pushed them out of, not out of field goal range, but it, it was a longer field goal, and the kicker missed it. So even, even in those instances, the defense found a way to turn it up. I mean, if you look at their, 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 their stats from the game, there's just numbers everywhere. We're talking about, you know, Fred Warner, geez, 15 total tackles, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble. Um, Marcel Harris, who had one of the, the game's only interceptions from the 49ers side, uh, he also fumbled the ball, but they luckily called him his forward progress stop, which was an interesting call, but. Hey, the 49ers aren't going to complain. But you just look at all these numbers. Three sacks total between the defense. Uh, five, six, seven, eight quarterback hits. And I know in terms of like pro football focus, the defense had like almost 20 or 20 pressures, meaning putting the quarterback under duress. One, two, three, four, five, six tackles for loss, an interception, three pass breakups, two forced fumbles, and then just a, a slew of tackles. It was... uh. It was an it was just an impressive display from that defense that felt like they were doing a very very good job of pressuring a rookie quarterback, keeping him uncomfortable, contesting throws, you know. And I think it was not not to necessarily call him out, but I think it was Eric Crocker that said the 49ers defense had been getting torched by number one wide receivers, and and one hundred percent true. It seems like. I mean, you, you immediately think of A.J. Brown and the fact that nobody just had any answer for the fact that he was on the field. Um, I think he said the, the the Brandon Cooks was a lock to go like over 100 or or 120 plus, something like that. And uh, he only managed, he ended up with seven catches for 66 yards and a score, which, I mean, it's a decent outing. But, you know, the 49ers handled him pretty well, not bad. And a lot of that had to do with the uh, the defensive front getting after it. Davis Mills was only managed 163 yards and a score and an interception for a 75 rating. He was he was pretty well buttoned up. The run game couldn't get much going. Their leading carrier was Rex Burkhead, who had 16 carries for 47 yards. It's less than three yards a carry. So the 49ers had this game buttoned up pretty well on their side of the ball. They were just kind of waiting for the offense to catch up, waiting for the offense to come around, and they did. And they did. And uh, some some breaking news. Nick Bosa was drew a holding call again. I think that's two weeks in a row. It's kind of unprecedented. It's kind of wild. Nick Bosa like actually being held, which it seems like he dude's getting held like at least half his reps. I mean, it's Nick Bosa. He's going to kick ass. And the fact that he draws holding penalties. So like it's just not often. 
you know what's happening way more often than he's being given credit for. So um, it was it was funny to see. And it was what's funny is on that play that Nick Bosa was held. Um, I was kind of right in line with the play. I could see him being held. Ref saw it too. They threw a huge deep pass to I believe Brandon Cooks, who kind of went up and got it over the top of I'm not sure the corner. Um, but it was a great catch. It, it, it was well covered. I believe even the safety was there. But Brandon Cooks found a way to come down with it. And Nick Bosa's just standing. The Texans' offense had kind of started moving towards where the ball landed. It was like a 40-yard play. And Nick Bosa's just standing all the way back where he was held, pointing like, nope, you're going this way. Nope, you're going the wrong way, guys. You're going over here. And um, it was funny. It was funny. It, it, you could see in Nick Bosa's body language that he, he was like – Fucking finally, you call this like he's probably very used to the fact that he's getting held and it's not getting called. And that doesn't make it any less frustrating, though. It doesn't doesn't make it any less frustrating. So, you know, I feel like we talked a lot about this when Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator. Robert Sala got a lot of credit for putting together very good defenses with a lot of injuries. And, you know, especially in that year where they didn't have Nick Bosa. Which was last year. Act like it was. It feels a long time ago, doesn't it? And D'Amico Ryan's deserves the same credit. He's had to go through a slew of injuries too at really key positions, and he has found a way to to keep that unit. and And shout out to the the good players on the defense too. You know, they they're obviously doing their part to make sure that unit is succeeding. But man, D'Amico Ryan's just you know he's got that unit working working together well for them to be able to put together that that kind of an effort. It was uh, it was impressive, and I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed watching it. It was it was very dominant, and you just got you got to tip your hat. I feel like the defense doesn't get enough credit. Usually, people have this weird view on defense, like it's never the defense making plays; it's the offense like screwing up, you know. And it's especially that way in training camp when it's 49ers on 49ers. It's funny when the fans are there, and you know a defensive back will jump up and swat a ball away, and that's like. You know that that's that defender making a play, and then all the fans will go, "Oh, damn!" And I'm like, "What are you upset about? Like that? Be be stoked that that defensive player just made a play." And, and uh, but it's just, I I get it. So I always try and make sure I put a decent spotlight on the defense for doing what they had to do. And I mean, shoot, it was Dante Johnson that had the game ceiling pass breakup on fourth down. Now the game was kind of already out of hand. There was nothing the Texans can do at that point, but didn't keep him from, uh, from getting in there, breaking up the pass and, and putting a stamp on the game. So shout out to Dante Johnson. who just isn't going anywhere, baby. Uh, on another positive note, rookie running back, Elijah Mitchell, who returned to the game after missing, uh, missing a couple. Now is the 49ers record holder for rookie receiving yards. as from a running back. I don't, did I just say receiving yards? I meant rushing yards. He's a running back. Um, right now, he, and he's still got one game left. Right now, he's got 186 carries for 878 yards and five touchdowns, averaging a very respectable 4.7 yards a carry. That's almost almost a first down every two plays. Uh, he also has 19 catches for 137 yards and caught his first touchdown from Trey Lance. Uh, yesterday against the Texans, right in front of me and where, where I was sit, seated, and that was a fun play to watch. Schemed up well from Kyle Shanahan. Texans had no idea it was coming, and, and Elijah Mitchell was wide open in the flat. Trey Lance hit him, and he took it in for the score. So congratulations to the 49ers' new rookie rushing record holder. There's a lot of R's in there. 
So I want to make sure I got that right. Um, but that, I mean, it's so weird. The 49ers and their relationship with running backs. It seems like they just find them, churn them out. A huge credit has to be given to Kyle Shanahan's scheme and it's beneficial beneficiariness. I'm going to find a better word for that. It's beneficial for running backs there. I can use my words, guys. I can speak, speak a ding. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird relationship the 49ers have with running backs, right? It just, it just seems like they're able to find them all the time. And maybe that goes to talent, talent evaluation. Maybe, it, I don't know what percentage goes to scheme, talent evaluation, the player, but it seems like the 49ers are always on the cusp of finding great running backs. Now, the, the question mark there is Trey, Lan- or excuse me, Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, he's currently on injured reserve, and, and there's a chance that he plays against the Rams. But, you know, how does he fit into the fold? He was the 49ers traded. They took two fourth-round picks, and they turned them into a third-rounder. They turned him into a third rounder to select Trey Sermon. So, you know, you want to see him be a part of this. Obviously, if he's injured, he can't do that. But even when he wasn't injured, just seemed like he was having trouble seeing the field and, and really making an impact in these games. So whether it's Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, or some combination of the two, you're just happy to know that the 49ers have solid running backs going forward in what I believe is is Raheem Mostert's final year with the team. Um, you know, we'll see where – I say final year with the team. It's, it's final year of his contract, but we'll see uh, – We'll see where they go from go from there with him. But, it, again, it, you, it's hard to wonder how much money the 49ers are willing to spend um, on the running back position when they seem to just kind of have them, right? They seem to just kind of have them. Now, last thing we're going to hit today is Kyle Shanahan said there's still a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo can – play against the Rams, you know, even the fact that he essentially tore a uh, a thumb muscle and should he play? I don't think so. I don't think it realistically would make sense within the injury timeline that he would be anywhere close to playing against the Rams this week. But Kyle Shanahan said that he does not have to be 100% to play. He just has to be able to, you know, endure the pain, um which begs the question, you know, it's not an easy decision. What does Kyle Shanahan want to go with? Does he want to go with a quarterback who's less than 100%? You know, does he want to go with a quarterback who's less than 100% and Jimmy Garoppolo? We don't even know how many percent. He has to be able to throw the football. Kind of a big deal for his position. Or does he want to go with the rookie whose grasp of the offense is less than 100%, right? You know, it's – you're both dealing with inefficiencies, with – you know, a downside to playing either player. And, uh, you know, given what we just saw from Trey Lance against the Texans, is he going to be the same form? Is he going to be better against the Rams? Is he going to – the 49ers have had the Rams number to an extent. But, you know, it's Trey Lance, which would be making his third start of the season in a game, kind of blending this into playoff talk here, in a game that the 49ers sort of have to win. By some weird playoff magic, I'm not good at talking about that stuff. The Eagles have already secured their spot, despite the fact that they have the same record as the 49ers and the 49ers beat the Eagles. The Eagles are already in the playoffs. It comes down to the 49ers and the Saints. If the 49ers beat the Rams, they are in the playoffs, period. 
end of story. If the 49ers do not beat the Rams, if they lose to the Rams this Sunday and the Saints beat the Falcons, who are not good, then the 49ers are not in the playoffs. That's it. The 49ers lose to the Rams. Saints beat the Falcons. 49ers are out. That's it. If the 49 if they both lose, 49ers are in. If they both lose, 49ers are in. But the Saints are favored. The Rams are favored. It all comes down to this, folks. So you can put yourself in Kyle Shanahan's shoes trying to pick between an experienced veteran quarterback that's been able to beat the Rams like clockwork the past five times, I believe, versus a, a, a brand-spanking-new rookie that's about as inexperienced as a rookie quarterback can be outside of those two starts. When you think about the experience that Trey Lance had coming to the 49ers as a, in college. So it's not – it's not going to be easy. And so keep your eye on the participation reports throughout the week. I will come back at you guys on Thursday um, and have our, our our game preview published on Friday. But keep, it, keep an eye on those participation reports. And see how much Jimmy Garoppolo is doing in practice. The beat reporters that are there on the ground uh, every day have been doing a great job putting that information out, what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. Garoppolo watch, like Panda watch, but with Garoppolo. So keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't – if I had to guess, which is nothing more than a guess, I would say that Jimmy uh, Trey Lance is going to start again because just based on the injury and everything I know about it and everything I've read about it, um, it's his – the thumb on his throwing hand, the ligament is partially torn. So it needs time to heal. And it just seems like two weeks is nowhere near enough time. Even Russell Wilson, I think, came back after four or five weeks. Not the same injury, but it was a similar finger a finger injury. And even then he said, I, I feel like I came back too quickly. And again, not the same injury, but it just seems like two weeks is, is really not in the ballpark for the possibility. But I don't know. So again, is Kyle Shanahan going to choose a quarterback that's is he, he might not be able to throw the ball effectively, or is he going to choose a quarterback that might not be able to run his offense completely effectively? Um, there's no easy choice there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think if it were me, I'd be like, all right, Trey Lance, you had a week of preparation leading up to the Texans, and you did pretty well in the game. Let's give you a whole other week of preparation, plus a little bit of overtime, whatever we can do, and uh, let's let's roll you out there and let you write your own story. But it's easy for me to say, especially when it all comes down to the playoffs. So it all comes down to this. Um, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. But, I mean, I'd be inter- I wish there was a way for you guys to kind of give me, like, instant feedback as if I was in front of a chat streaming or something. But, you know, like, it's just kind of a weird dynamic. Are you going to be all that disappointed if the 49ers don't make the playoffs? You know, I think that's an easy answer in the fact that most people would say, yes, I would be disappointed if the 49ers don't make the playoffs because they, they don't even get a chance. It seems very unlikely the 49ers would be able to push deep into the playoffs just based on what we've seen from them this season. So, you know, would you – I get, but it's a stupid question in a way. But at the same time, you know, I feel like no matter what, you've kind of got an idea of what the 49ers are capable of, where they're at. Does making the playoffs really change your outlook of them that much? 
to me, I guess it comes down to as simple as it's it's one more game that you get to see the 49ers do their thing. And you never know, man. Once you get into that race, once you get into the show that we call the playoffs, anything can happen. So kind of a stupid question. I'm chastising myself right now. But at the same time, I think you could probably understand where I'm coming from. Like, does it really change the dynamic of, of how we view the 49ers if they if they lose out on the playoffs? Maybe a little bit. I think that's fair. But at the same time, do you also think the 49ers are going to make waves in the playoffs? maybe a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the end, I think no matter what, of course you want to make the playoffs. It's silly to even ask if, if it's that big of a deal. But at the same time, I think you understand what I'm kind of saying. But no matter what, it may be stupid. So that's okay. My bad. Not everything I say is smart. It's just the way it is. So in the end, you know, in summary, the 49ers are in control of their own destiny, as they like to say. If they if, if they make it, I believe, six in a row against the Rams, if they can get one more win against the Rams. And the Rams have something to play for. So don't expect some Cooper Cupless, Matt Staffordless offense with, you know, that the Rams have something to play play for. So they're going to be coming at the 49ers. The 49ers have something to play for. They're going to be coming at the Rams. Can the 49ers make it six in a row? We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about this a lot more. On Thursday, to be heard on Friday in preparation for the weekend. But in the meantime, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Again, I apologize for this episode being one day late. I was uh, traveling back from the game last night when I would normally have been recorded, recording. And, uh, you know, by the time I got home, I was beat, ready to hit the, hit the hay. So I'm, I'm coming at you guys on Monday. You guys should be here this Tuesday morning. Uh, but again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Still on the hunt for a co-host. It's not going to be just me forever. Um, I will. Uh, I will figure it out. And I've been. I've had my eyes open. I've been planning. I've been scheming. I've been watching. Um, but y'all know what it is. I appreciate you guys for sticking with the podcast, no matter who the co-host is, even if it's nobody. Um, so hey, we'll see you out here again on Friday as we prepare for the 49ers last game of the regular season and win in their end. So that's it, man. It's going to be a fun week. It's going to be an interesting week. Enjoy it. Last week of the regular season. I'm Rob. This is striking gold and we're signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.